going on, everybody? This is Heath with Timmons Corner Sports Talk. And I want to take a second to remind everybody to follow us on social media, Tillman's Corner Sports Talk, and TC Sports, I think, is our Instagram and Twitter. Follow us. Give us a follow. we got a very special guest tonight, me and Steven's cousin, Sam Ladner. He plays baseball. He's a shortstop for University of West Georgia, and he he took the time out of his day to talk to us a little bit today. So what's going on, Sam? What's up, Heath? How you doing? I'm doing really well, dude. How was your 4th of July? Uh, it's good. Blew a few things up. You know, same old, same old. Yeah, did you shoot a lot of fireworks? Uh, sort of. We wouldn't watch them. But, yeah. Yeah, good deal. So, it. Yeah, let's just jump right into it. So, we're going to talk about a little bit about you growing up playing baseball. So, was baseball always your favorite sport growing up? Baseball was, yeah, it was more of a lifestyle to me. You know, all I was put into baseball before I, you know, I could even remember. I mean, I can't even remember that far back, honestly. And I was put into it. So, before I even knew it was my favorite sport, it was already a part of my life. So, yeah, baseball is my favorite sport. Yeah, you started playing at a really young age. And do you have a – did you have a favorite baseball player, either MOB or college or just anything growing up that you looked up to? Uh, did I have one growing up? No, not really. But as of now, I would probably say it's Mike Trout. Yeah, Mike Trout. Just because, you know, he's he's a big name in the major leagues right now. And uh, he plays the game right, you know. Always plays everything 100%. And he's just a real, really respected guy. Yeah, Mike Trout, I think he's definitely one of the best uh, players in the MLB right now. And he's one of my favorite players as well. And, you know, what made you want to play baseball? I know you said that you got – it's just really always been your life. You started playing at a young age. But when did you really start loving it and realizing it's something that you could do for a long time? Um, I really loved it whenever I was – I was on the travel ball team when I was really young. And uh, I really loved playing baseball then, you know, going off, staying in the hotels with my team. And something just like – just something about it just I really enjoyed. I could see myself doing it for a long time. And then when I got to high school again, or whenever I whenever I got to high school, I, that's when I started really getting back into it. Like I played in middle school, but it wasn't anything too serious. But high school would probably be when I was no, I really wanted to make a career out of it. That's when I decided that. Yeah, that's awesome, and and so you started playing at Boinkin Park, and then you played on a travel team called the Alabama Bombers, right? Yes, there is. At least with the Alabama Bombers and the Tillman's Corner something, it, it, it was the same team, but we switched names for some reason. But, yeah. Yeah, and that kind of leads into my next question. So, can you tell us how important your dad and your family has been in your baseball career? I know your dad has pretty much coached you when you was a little kid and he coached your travel ball team. And can you just tell everybody listening to me just how important he has been and your, your mom and your siblings as well as your other family? Yeah, so uh, like you said, my dad, you know, he's, he coached me growing up. So, that, I mean, that's I wouldn't be here without him. That's number one. Um, and, yeah, even up until probably now, still, like, he's he's always there when he can make it to my games, all the way up until this past year. Cause, you know, I was off in Georgia, and that's, that's quite a trip from where we live. And uh, so he wasn't able to make every game like he used to be. But uh, – he definitely tried, and that that you know that means a lot to me. 
and my family, you know, they're very supportive of everything I do. And uh, they've just always been with me, been there for me since day one. And it means a lot. Yeah, your family, they are very supportive. Every time I see your dad, he's always talking about you. Shout out to Uncle Andy. That's Sam's dad, and he has been very supportive. And I know your family, they're huge supporters of you, and that's a big part of our family. We do support each other, so that's really awesome. And, right. You know, moving into your high school career, you mentioned it. That's when you really started to, you know, focus and realize that that's what you wanted to do long term. So what made you want to – you played high school at uh, Mobile Christian here locally in Mobile – what made you want to go to Mobile Christian? Oh. Or did you have a choice? It wasn't really a choice. Uh, I did have a friend, uh, Christopher George. I don't know. If it, he's, he's sort of Mobile. But that I knew that. I played with him. He was on my travel ball team when we were younger, the Alabama Bombers. And uh, he was there. And I guess him and my his mom and my dad started talking about it. And I think that's what led me to go there like that that's where mobile christian's name got put in my you know my dad's ear and that's how it started and then it was just up to my dad from there yeah you were a big time player at mobile christian what year was it either your sophomore junior or freshman what year did you start on varsity and start playing like a lot full time? Uh, i started playing my freshman year i i moved to mobile christian halfway through my eighth grade year you know, they had that, I don't know if it was a rule or what, but I wasn't able to play because I uh, schools. But uh, I started playing my freshman year. I was starting, I started in the state championship. I started multiple series before that. So I, I would say it was my freshman year. Yeah, your freshman year. And uh, how many state championships did y'all win? Like I said, I knew y'all were really successful, but I, how many state championships did y'all win? We won three out of, my four years there in high school. Wow, that three. That, wow. That's incredible. What can you can you tell us and everybody listening kind of what that was like and if you want to break down any of those games and just tell us what it what it was like to win the state championship and bring it back to your school. So it was my freshman year is the first year we won it and I was actually playing third base. You know, I was a little scrawny kid my freshman well, basically throughout my whole high school career and <laughs> playing third, you know, the hot corner was definitely not really comfortable. It was a little scary. I mean, obviously I was a freshman, but uh, that's oh, let's see, is the last game, is the second game. We never went to three games, and any time we went to state, but the second game of the state championship, my freshman year, uh, I don't remember what the score was or anything, but I remember I was at third, and the ball was hit. Uh, bomb was seventh, two outs, and the ball was hit to me. So I missed the last out my freshman year. You know, it's like I said, I was nervous, you know, didn't really feel my legs, got butterflies in my stomach. But in the end, it was it was definitely something you would have to experience. I mean, I'd say that would be hard, but it, I can't really describe how, how, what it felt like. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, you pretty much talk to everybody who has won, you know, at a high level. And that's pretty much they say, like, you just got to – if you haven't done it, it's hard to explain to other people. It's just great. And, right. you know, like you said, freshman playing third base on varsity, it's pretty incredible. You got the last out. That's really awesome. And your head coach at Mobile Christian, can you tell us a little bit about him? Because I've heard a lot of great things about him. And I think Mobile Christian just won the state championship this year too, didn't they? Yeah, they won this year. And uh, 
is it the year before last or last year? Yeah, or, so Mobile Christian, y'all are pretty much a powerhouse. Can you tell us about, you know, your head coach and just the impact he had on you and had on your teammates? Yeah, so, I mean, Callie Haynes, he's the head coach, and Jason Smith is the assistant coach. And, uh, they, I mean, they both had a tremendous part on my life and my team. Like, anytime, every year we played and continuously up until this year, they probably have a major role in, like, any type of success they have just because they would know how to win. But it's not more of like, you know, uh, you know, some coaches are like a win-at-any-cost type thing. Yeah. That's not really them. They uh, I feel like they care more about you and like your goals and your life. You know, your life after baseball more than they do about you playing baseball for them that year and uh, winning. Like because I still get calls and texts from Coach Hayes, you know, asking how I'm doing. Like, am I going to graduate? All this other stuff about my school. And it's uh, four. It's like four or five years later. I graduated and he's still checking up on me, making sure I'm doing all right, you know, and staying in school and stuff. So that, I feel like that's impressive for a coach to do that and care so much for his players that he still checks up on them years after. Yeah, and that that's awesome. And, and you didn't even really talk about baseball. You talked about more of the impact he had in your life and he cared more right. about y'all as young men and trying to get your education and trying to make y'all successful in life after sports. And, you know, that's right. really awesome. And that, you know, I have a boy, and that is really what I would want as a coach, somebody like that that pushes them. And Because, you know, I think we get caught up a lot in winning and losing. But at the end of the day, it is about, you know, getting your education, like, like your coach said, getting your education and just being a successful, you know, man in this world. So that's really awesome. And so, like I said, Mumble Christian is pretty much a powerhouse. That's pretty much what you – would probably say the success comes from is the two the head coach and the assistant coach. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. Okay, that's good stuff. I got a fun question here. So, what is harder to hit? I've heard you know different people's answers, but what's harder to hit in your opinion? Uh, have you ever a hundred mile an hour fastball or somebody just with a nasty curveball? Uh, okay. So I got a question. Do Do you know what's coming? Or is it, you know? No, you you have no. you have no idea what's coming. Okay, so honestly, I would probably i I would probably say a, a nasty curveball, just because you have a chance to react to that. You know, say you're on time for a fastball, and he throws a curveball, you have time to react. But like, if you just have a split second late on a fastball, then it you, know, you, you ain't catching up to it. So do what? So let but let's say you do know what's coming. Would that change your answer? So say you know that they're gonna throw a curveball or a slider and then you know they're gonna throw a hundred mile an hour fastball, which is easier to hit. I I still wanna say the off speed, mainly because I've it was two years ago I saw ninety eight and I'm telling you I I couldn't see it. Like if you blink you, you missed it. It's like, that's how fast it gets there. It's, there's really no reaction to it. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's probably one of the hardest things I've tried to do in my life, try to hit close to 100 miles an hour baseball. Yeah, that's awesome. And, yeah. and nowadays, you know, back when I was younger and probably when you were a lot younger, you know, you hardly ever saw guys thrown in the hundreds. I know Araldis Chapman was the first guy that, like, consistently 
would throw in the hundreds that I remember. But now it seems like right. every team's got a couple guys in the MLB that I'm talking about that can really hit 100. And then, you know, Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, they had a guy this year that was throwing like 105. Did you see that? Yeah, Ben Joyce. Yeah, yeah I saw <laughs> That's insane. What do you – what what in your opinion, what do you think – why do you think that is that so many more guys are throwing so much faster? Uh, I honestly think it's the kids nowadays, like, I go to, you know, high school things. I went to my high school the other day to help with some camp, and I walked in there, and there's these dudes that are bigger than me. I mean, like 6'2", you know, 170, 80 pounds. And Coach looks at me, he said, yeah, that dude's in eighth grade. I'm like, holy crap. And it's it's ridiculous. Um, I actually saw – there's a, I think there's a kid, I think he's like 15 or 16, he was at the perfect game, I think, like this past year, maybe two years ago. He was throwing 100 at 15 years old. Yeah, that that's insane. And, you know, the thing I think it's about, you know, nowadays baseball has started at such a young age, and there's people that do that for a living, like coaches that the kids are right. starting at a young age. Their kids are eating right. Kids are working out more. Kids are focusing strictly on baseball so much at a young age. I think that – you know, really has a lot to do with it. And I got another question. So why is it in baseball, if you can explain this, maybe you can't, but why is it harder? Like normally when you go to matchups, you want a right-handed pitcher throwing to a right-handed batter and then vice versa. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know if I can like necessarily explain it. Is it let, me ask, right. let, me, let me ask you this. Is it easier for you to hit a left-handed pitcher or a right-handed pitcher? I, me personally, I think it's easier for me to hit a left-handed pitcher, mainly because I can, you know, you don't have them closing off themselves and, like, trying to hide the ball. Just because it's, I mean, it's just more open to me. That's that's my take on it. But on a lefty on lefty situation, you don't really get that matchup. You know, there's more right-handed pitchers than there are lefties, you know. You get that. So, the lefty hitters, probably don't get enough, you know, reps being a left-handed pitcher. So, I think that's what makes it so much harder for them. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, like you said, so that's, it's probably because a lot of people say it's because, like you said, about you can't – just that split second that you get to see the ball a little longer because you are a right-handed right. batter from a left-handed pitcher and vice versa. So, yeah, that makes sense. So, you know, moving on, after Mobile Christian, you go to Coastal Alabama East. It's a JUCO. Correct. You know, what made you choose to go JUCO first? Or what made you, you know, what made you want to go to them? Um, What made me want to go there was I heard, uh, you know, I have a lot of people that care about me and my future, or at that time, my future in baseball and stuff. And they always told me, like, JUCO is the best route because, one, there ain't no point of going, you know, to a four-year school, D1, D2, whatever it is, you know, a possibility of you not starting, you know, because an incoming freshman from high school is, I mean, I mean, unless you're just an absolute stud, there's probably a low chance you're going to play. And uh, I was always told, you know, JUCO is probably the best route mainly because you have a chance to develop. You know, you go there, you play, you get your reps in, you develop as a player. And that's what I did, you know. 
I didn't have the opportunity to go to a D1 or D2 school out of high school. JUCO is my only offers. So that's why I went. But even if I did have a better offer, I'd probably still choose JUCO route. Yeah, so so what would you say is the biggest lesson you personally have learned that you learned in JUCO? Uh, um, so I thought about this, and I would say mainly, you know, everybody in high school, you know, you, you probably talk to a kid and ask them where they would want to play, and, you know, they'd probably say D1 school, you know, big SEC school. And one thing I've learned is, especially going to JUCO, I'm like, it doesn't matter where you go, as long as you get to play, and don't take that for granted. You know, you go to a JUCO and like, oh man, I I could be somewhere else. I could do this. I could do that. Well, at least you're playing. Like some kids don't have the opportunity, and I would say just like don't take it for granted. You know, just yeah. getting somewhere to play. Yeah, that that's a really good answer because you know. I think a lot of times in life, just in life in general, a lot of people take stuff for granted. Like you were saying, you know, there's some kids that don't have the opportunity to play baseball. And like you said, that, you know, that's a really good perspective you had. And let, let's break down your swing for a little bit. So what, what do you think the biggest change has been in your swing from part ball? You don't really have to do it, from like part ball to high school to JUCO, to where you are now at West Georgia. What do you think the biggest change has came from? Um, I've, My change has probably been my body, mainly because, you know, you know, my body hasn't, like, putting on weight, working out, getting stronger. And I'd say that because all the way up until – actually, all the way up until after my freshman year of college, I've always been, you know, a lead-off. You know, someone who just gets on base, you know, base it here, base it there, even like a bunt here and there every other game or something like that. I've never been a powerful hitter up until I started putting on weight and getting, uh, getting stronger. And that's when I was able to, you know, change up my swing a little bit, you know, try to, I wouldn't say try to hit home runs, but try to hit the ball for, you know, try to hit it as hard as I can. And I would say, yeah, I'd probably just say is whenever my body started, you know, getting bigger. When your body started to develop. You know, the reason I asked you yeah. that is because I, I did talk to your dad recently, like three or four weeks ago, I don't remember. But he did say, you know, back in high school you wasn't really a power hitter, but now you have developed and you are hitting a lot of home runs. And so that the main contributor to that is you just got more physically stronger and stuff, so it helps your swing and your mindset. Yeah, and I had a little help along the way. I had, you know, hitting instructor, you know, the one I had somebody that helped me the past few years. Uh, so yeah. So let me I'll say that. Yeah, let me get your let me get your thoughts on this. So back in the day, you know, when I was younger and probably like during high school, probably when you was in high school too it seems like the game has changed, you know. It used to be more small ball approaches. Like you said, you were a leadoff, probably a lot of bunts and singles and stuff. But it seems now, like in MLB in college, the strikeout rates are so much higher. And But you're seeing more home runs and stuff like that. What do you contribute that to? Is that just a mindset? Because different coaches like to do it different ways, or is it player-by-player player basis, or what do you contribute that to? 
I think MLB is a thing on its own because one, they're not getting paid to hit ground ball. You know, they're they're getting paid to hit home runs. You know, yeah. I've always been told that, and I feel like that that is true. So I wouldn't really contribute to that or like talk about that. But everything up until then, you know, high school, college, I would probably say it just. I want to say it depends on the coaches and the team, but then again, it's just. I think it's really comes down to the player himself, you know. Are you willing to be hushed? Are you willing to be uh, a team player, you know? Are you willing to bunt here and there and get on base, you know, for your team to score runs and win? Or you want to try to hit the home run, you know? Maybe you will, maybe you won't. And that's I, – I will say, West, uh, I think a lot of y'all know the uh, University of West Florida. I would probably say that was a, probably one of the better teams we played this past year, and they played the game right, you know. They didn't really try to hit for power at all. I mean, they, they had people that could, but it was they, – they played a lot of small ball. They had a few guys that would bunt here and there that, that shouldn't be bunting, you know, the three-hole, the DH. You know, typically the power hitters, they're sitting here, you know, just hitting, running, whatever it takes for them to win. So I would probably say it depends on the player himself and the coaches. Yeah, no, that's really good stuff right there. And let's move on to where you are now at the, the University of West Georgia. So when did when did they reach out to you? Like what year, late in the process or what? And when did they reach out to you for you to come play with them? Um, okay, so it was my COVID year. So I had my freshman year at Coastal. And then that second year is when I really started – I started hitting. I was hitting – no, this is before COVID hit. I had, I had like five home runs early in the season. I was batting uh, maybe mid-300, something like that. And they contacted me, and uh, we were talking. And then, you know, COVID hit. So it was kind of – it was kind of iffy about me going there that year, mainly because they had people coming back scholarships you know they had to give back to people that were going to come back and that's when they um that's when we started talking but then I decided to go back to coastal and then we kind of didn't really communicate for a little bit and then towards the middle of my the third year at coastal they we started talking again and then I decided that's where I wanted to go yeah, what what appealed what appealed you to go to uh, West Georgia? Like, was it the facilities? Was it the coach? Was it the team? Just another chance to play um, baseball. Well, yeah, it's another chance to play baseball for sure. But uh, I I had a one of my coaches, it was Coach Joyner from Coastal Alabama, and I feel like I would talk to him a lot about it because I would ask him, you know, do, do you know about this school, like? Do you know anything? Are they good? This or that. And he would, all he had was good things to say. You know, they're a powerhouse. You know, they're a good program. They typically win a, a lot. And so that just put, you know, ideas in my head. I'm like, okay, that's, that's somewhere I probably want to play at. And then I went on a visit and I, I just, I didn't think I could say no to it. It just, I mean, yeah. I guess love at first sight, I guess. I don't know. Right. And, you know, that happens a lot. Uh, tell us about y'all's 
past season and then your season coming up and tell us a little bit about your success last year and, and then what you're looking forward to doing in this upcoming season. Um, the past year, you know, it didn't really turn out like we wanted it to. We started off really well. I mean, I thought we could have won the day, you know, uh, whole thing, but, and just later on, mid to later, uh, of the season, it just, it didn't really turn out like we wanted to, like I said, but I mean, that's all right. My, my success, I feel like I could have done better. You know, I had nine home runs, which that's the most I've had playing baseball period in this year, but I still think I could have played better. I wasn't really happy with it, with how things turned out, but this coming up year, so we lost, we lost our left fielder, uh, our third baseman, our second baseman, and our first baseman, and uh, a few pitchers, so we definitely have some spots to fill, but I think uh, our coach, our recruiting coordinator, He's going to uh, bring us some guys that can help us win. So I think we'll be good this coming up year. Yeah, that's awesome, and I, I wish y'all the best of luck. And you, you play shortstop, so you'll probably have to bring that infield together because you're the only returning infielder, right? Oh, and your catcher. Uh, catcher, yeah, catcher will be back. But uh, yeah, other than that, that that's just me. Okay, so I got a, a tough question right here. So, you know, you, you hear a lot of stories of kids when they go to college and go away for college and mainly at I don't say mainly athletes but athletes in general when they're away from home can you can you tell the people listening and me you know what it's like because like you said growing up your dad was at every game and your parents were at every game and same with your siblings and stuff you had support there so can you I know you said your dad still tries to make all the games but can you just tell you know tell me what it's like to go from that to you're playing in a new spot further away from home and you don't always have that support there in the stands. Can you tell me what that what that is like? Um, it was definitely different. Like I, I will say that, and I don't think it was too bad. Mainly because you know it's only four or five hours. I mean, if we absolutely had to meet up with each other, then I feel like we could have made that happen. It wasn't like I was ten. 10 hours away or something like that, but not having them in the stands, you know, I understood why, but, you know, it's, you know, it, it happens, like, growing up, you moving on, bigger things, you know, it's, change is going to happen, so, I guess that was, I mean, I it didn't really affect me too much, but I know before the season started, my dad would talk to me, uh, he would, bu- he kept bugging me and bugging me about asking our, my coaches, about, you know, the gameplay, like, where my dad could watch it live and broadcasting it because he still wanted to watch every game, which he did. So that also helps them, you know, where they're not able – when they're not able to come to my game and be there in person, they're able to still watch me support, even if it is on a TV screen or something like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Those apps are great for family members or, you know, people that just want to watch in general. Those are – you know, really good apps, and that's something good. But, you know, that's good perspective right there. And let's talk a little bit about your future before, you know, we're almost done. Do you have any plans after this upcoming season? What are your plans? Uh, so, to my understanding, I have two more years, which is this coming up here and the next. Uh, 
I don't know if my next year will be a grad year or if I have that in the grad year. So I'm not really sure with all the details. But for one, I would like to play as long as I can because, uh, you know, that's just what I've done and that's all I know is baseball, you know, sports, whatever. And what my plan is, I mean, I don't really necessarily have any plans, but if God allows me and puts me in a spot to play some type of professional ball, then I would I would take it because that's what I've dreamed of ever since I was a little kid. So. Well, you just leaned me right into my next question. So if the opportunity did present itself, that is definitely something you'd be interested in and in playing at the next level? Yes, yes, definitely. I mean, it is a it's a grind because, I mean, you play 100-something games a year. Right. And, yeah, I feel like I'd be tired. But then again, you know, you're it's a game day. I went to a Blue Wahoos game about two weeks ago, and I was like, oh, man, I, I want to be out there. And so that kind of lit a little fire under me to pick it up that's coming up here. Yeah, no, that that's awesome. I know I would be super proud of you as well as all your family, and I definitely wish you luck in that. And if you did, last question, if you could, if you could go to any team in the MLB, where would you want to go and why? Uh, so I haven't really thought about it like that. For one, I I just realized uh, I think it's the Rays that that the Blue Wahoos going to. I'm not really sure, but I I looked it up when I was there, and I think that that was it. If I that, so I'd want to get drafted to them one because you know if I make it to Triple A or whatever, that's where I would be playing. It's in Pensacola, and that. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be easy on my family, you know, everybody that wants to come watch and stuff like that. But if it wasn't for that, then I I think I would say the Dodgers, just because you know they're. I mean, I think they're a good program and stuff, and yeah, they got a lot of lot of great potential and players. Yeah, and well, I said that was the last question. This is really the last question. Do y'all play Hunter and them's team this year? Yes, we will be playing each other. That yeah. is awesome. I will definitely come to that game. Sam, uh-huh. I really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for taking time to answer these questions and talking to me a little bit. Uh, I look forward to seeing what you do this coming year, and best of luck in the future, buddy, and I wish you the best. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, thank you. And everybody, okay, thank you. And I hope everybody sticks around, and me and Steven's going to break down what's going on in college football right now with all the teams changing conferences and we're going to go over our top five Heisman Trophy candidates so stick around Welcome back, everyone. You just heard the interview with our cousin Samuel Ladner, or Sam. We call him Sam. Sam, we really do appreciate it, buddy. Thank you for joining us on the show, taking some time. Uh, we really appreciate it and look forward to 
uh, the rest of your career. We'll definitely be following that. Heath, I'm here with you. You're on vacation. How you? Uh, how's that going? You having fun? Oh, it's going great. Having a lot of fun here with my wife and family. Just staying down at the beach, having a lot of fun, getting wet, getting a lot of sun. That's good. That's good. I got a lot of sun Saturday, but it was from yard work, unfortunately. But uh, so yeah, we're gonna roll in. You know, you mentioned on the our next segment after you did uh, when you interviewed Sam that we were gonna be talking about the the expansion. You know, with college football and kind of stuff going on. So last week, and we're not going. This is kind of our hot topic for the night. We're not going to spend too much time on this, but last week we mentioned USC and UCLA were uh, received an invitation to join the Big Ten, and both of us kind of had the same thoughts that we don't think it would be long before other teams either decided to join the Big Ten or other conferences or the SEC. Um, and so this past week, actually I think it was just a, a few days ago, you sent me the, the article, there are reports that North Carolina, Clemson, FSU, and Virginia – have all reached out to the SEC about joining. We don't know how accurate it is, but there are reports. So, what do you think? What you think it's accurate? You think it's going to happen soon? How do you think? Were you surprised by it? Well, you know, like you said, you know, we said that it wouldn't be long before other teams just happened to other teams, and it didn't take a week. And now the reports are coming out. Like you said, those four teams are looking possibly to join the SEC. I could see it happening. Like I said, college football. And college sports, as we know it, is fixing to change with all these realignment. Robberies are going to die. New ones are going to be, you know, reformed. And so I do think it's going to happen. I'm not sure with these exact four teams. I saw an article today that the 16 presidents of the SEC want to keep it at 16. But I don't see how you can keep it at 16 if the Big Ten keeps expanding and keeps getting bigger names like maybe an Oregon or a Notre Dame or something. I think that uh, SEC will definitely counter and bring other teams in, so I could definitely see it happening soon. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like you, I wasn't surprised at all because, like you said, when we both said it's going to happen, um, it's like you said. I mean, there, I don't think there's any way they're going to be able to just keep it at 16 teams, especially. I mean, that's four teams. If reports are correct, that's four teams within a, a week of our last show that – have come out and reached out to the SEC about joining. So, uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens. You know, like I said, we're not going to spend too much time about that, but it'll it'll definitely be fun to watch, uh, especially being a huge college football fan that we are. And, you know, I know other people are. It'll be fun to watch that. So our first main topic of the night we're going to roll into um, kind of a, you know, it's not a weird topic. I think it's a topic that maybe should be discussed more probably isn't discussed as much as it is. And it's just about mental health. And what kind of brought this on is we, uh, you sent me an article and it was from um, actually one of Alabama's offensive linemen, Javion Cohen, one of their offensive linemen from last year. And he came out on Instagram and posted that this past uh, uh, month he had met, had spent some time in a rehab facility for mental health reasons and just saying that, uh, one of the, his quotes on Instagram was, the pressure we feel as athletes is insurmountable and can be too much at times. I don't want to focus on the bad, though. I want to shed light on the good that has come of this. So basically saying, you know, these these guys, I mean, you know, these kids, these uh, college kids are, they're put under so much pressure and, and you know, sometimes they just need a break. And what do you think, I mean, I know, 
like not even that long ago, 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago, do you, do you think mental health is worse now among athletes as it was then or, or pressure is? And, and what do you think kind of contributes to that? I don't know if the mental health is worse. I do think the scrutiny is more just with the the new age of social media. So basically, so basically anybody has the ability to, you know, basically bully, to harass. Like me, for instance, if I wanted to get on there at every play of the Alabama game or Auburn or anything, just play, say, number four is trash on Twitter, and I could post that every play. They didn't really have that. And that guy sees that. You know, if I add him or whatever, that guy sees that. But 15 years ago, they didn't really have that. So maybe it was more the players didn't really see the scrutiny as much as they do now. You know, I, and I think a lot of times, especially just focusing on college sports real quick, you know, a lot of us got to remember, and me included, I know I'm bad about it, that these are college kids, 18 to 22-year-olds. And, you know, remembering I'm not that old, but just remembering back when I was 18, just all the stuff that's going through your mind. And here I am, you know, a grown man or people older than me trashing these people on social media or, you know, you know, making bets on them and then they don't perform well. So now I'm mad at them and I'm saying, you know, you know, cussing these kids. Not me, but, you know, people cussing at these kids and just saying, you know, nasty things to them. I think that all contributes to what these athletes today are struggling with, with the mental health. Yeah, I mean, and I I actually think it is worse now, kind of, and I was going to hit on what you said with the social media thing is, um, I mean, you know, we're not old, but, I mean, just back when we were teenagers or, you know, young kids, like, social media is just huge nowadays. I mean, you could, like, Twitter is huge right now. You can tweet something at an athlete and it get thousands upon thousands upon thousands of even millions of likes views like you said that person's going to see that and it kind of goes back to you know somebody could say there could be 10 people that say 10 positive things about you but one person could say one really bad negative thing and that's all you fixate on and that's anybody so these these college athletes and, and, and even professional athletes, I mean, they take a lot of scrutiny. I mean, like you said, I know I'm bad. If you watch a game with me or Heath or where, you know, we'll yell at the TV and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I mean, it's a game. At the end of the day, you know, we're not going to private message somebody. We're not going to tweet at somebody that, you know, they're trash, they're garbage, you know. And some of these guys, I, I don't know, I mean – you remember the years ago when Alabama lost to LSU and our kicker, I mean, I'm going to say his name. I'm sure everybody, especially our Alabama fan, knows his name. I think he missed like three kicks, four kicks um, in the yeah. game. And that guy was getting death threats like the week after the game. I mean, over, you know, I mean, I was mad that we lost. I was mad that he missed the kicks. But getting death threats over a, a, a football game is just ridiculous. And so, yeah, I definitely think – yeah, it's worse nowadays, but um, it's something people just need to relax, chill out. Remember that these are college athletes, college kids, uh, even the pros are, I mean, they're humans. Everybody messes up. So, you know, hopefully Javion and anybody else, you know, a lot of people deal with mental health. They can find the support that they need. And a lot of people are afraid to come out and talk about it because of what people will think but can find the support they need and get to a better place so that you know they can 
not just be better athletes, but be better people, uh, uh, you know, in themselves. So the next topic is, you know, the main topic, the one we're going to spend a lot of time on. I'm pretty excited about it, especially I know you are. I know anybody that's a college football fan. And we posted on our Instagram page. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram or Twitter, Tillman's Corner Sports Talk, um, about asking who is the who's going to win the Heisman next year. Um, and I, I think, I don't know if I saved that poll or not, um, but there was only four options. Instagram only lets you do four options. And one of them was Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Caleb Williams, and other. Um, so the next topic, we'll be talking about the Heismans, our top five Heisman candidates for this upcoming season. But kind of going to Instagram, he, do you remember what the poll was, what the final voting was? Yeah, I think uh, I think Bryce Young – pretty much ran away with it. I think 56% was Bryce Young. I want to say 20-something percent was C.J. Stroud, 8% Caleb Williams, and like 15% other. I don't know if my numbers really add up right there, but it was that was pretty much it. Bryce yeah. Young ran away with it. Yeah, and I won't – we won't get into our picks on those because it might kind of give away some of our, our top five. Um, so let's start at five and go through one, and we'll talk about some maybe sleeper, dark horse guys. Um I know I don't know about you. I know my list is definitely going to surprise. One guy for sure is going to surprise people, I think. And then even some of where I have people listed, I think are going to surprise some people. But let's do that, and then we'll talk about um, kind of why we feel those guys are there. And then after we go through number one, we'll talk about some sleepers. So who do you have at number five coming into next season? Well, like you said, I think, you know, my list is going to surprise a lot of people, especially especially a lot of people who think that I am just an Alabama homer. But at number five, I got the Ohio State receiver, Jackson Jackson Smith Nigdaba. I think that's how you say his last name. His name is Jackson Smith. And pretty much the reason I got him, I could see him having a Devontae Smith kind of year. He's super talented. He's, you know, by far top two receiver in the country. And I think with C.J. Stroud as his quarterback and those guys getting the chemistry, they had from last year and if you saw the Rose Bowl this past year he just put up insane numbers I think he had like over 300 yards a couple touchdowns 12 13 catches it was insane and I I could see him having you know that kind of year because I think Ohio State and when it comes to the Heisman you know it's not about who has the best team but voters to look at that kind of stuff and I think Ohio State's gonna have a really good team and I think that they're going to be in a lot of big-time games because they are Ohio State. And I think, like I said, they'll be a really good team. So that's why I got him at number five. Yeah, that's a really good pick. I mean, I definitely could see him uh, being in the Heisman, uh, being a Heisman finalist when it's all said and done. So my number five is actually probably the biggest surprise, I would say. And when I say this guy's name, a lot of people are probably going to be like, who is that? I don't even know who that is. So my number five who I think when it's all said and done will be a Heisman finalist or at least one of them, is Tyler Van Dyke. He's the quarterback for Miami. So this kid, highly recruited, comes in there. You know, they have Mario Cristobal as the head coach. I know a lot of people don't even know this kid or has watched this kid. So De'Eric King was Miami's quarterback last year. He got hurt toward the end of the season. Tyler Van Dyke came in in the the last six games of the season that he played – They won five of them. He threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns in all six games that he played. So I think he's going to carry that momentum. I think with Mario Cristobal coming in there, um, 
I think it's going to, you know, do some things for that offense, just for that team in general. And I see Tyler Van Dyke continuing the end-of-the-season success that he had last year and possibly being a top-five Heisman candidate when it's all said and done. No, that that is a phenomenal pick, Tyler Van Dyke. I actually don't think you're crazy because him and my number four guy, I was going back and forth, and I just went with, uh, for me, number four, Quinn Ewers out of Texas. And really, the only thing I can say about him is the reason I got him at number four is Steve Sarkeesian. Listen, if you saw what Steve Sarkeesian did with Mac Jones as his first year as a starter, now granted, Mac Jones had been in the Alabama program a lot. He had a lot of talented receivers. But I'm telling you, Texas has a lot of talented players. They got uh, one of the best running backs in the country, uh, Robinson. They got another really, really talented receiver. I can't quite think of his name right now, but he's really talented. And Steve Sarkeesian, he's a great play caller. He does mismatches. Quinn Ewers was highly, highly recruited out of high school, went to Ohio State, transferred to Texas, and I could see him, you know, being a sleeper Heisman candidate. And just because I think he's going to have some big-time games. They're playing Alabama this year. If he, if he wins that game, pretty much if somebody beats Alabama, that just puts them on the map for a Heisman trophy if the quarterback's good. So he's got Alabama, he's got Oklahoma, and then I think they could be a sleeper team you know, for the playoffs potentially, and that's crazy to say, but I think that could happen. So that's why I got Quinn Ewers from Texas at number four. Yeah, that's a really good pick. Um, I've seen a lot of people have him, you know, pretty high on their on their list of potential Heisman winners for next year. So my number four guy is another is a Texas guy, not Quinn Ewers, but it's Bijan Robinson. You mentioned him, the running back for Texas. Um, just the you know the handful of games I watched last year. This guy is a stud. He can. I mean, he's very quick, very fast, but also powerful. I think – but he actually got hurt last year. He didn't play the whole season. Um, but he still he, – I mean, he still went over 1,000 yards, was very, very productive. If he can stay healthy the whole entire season, I, I think that offense is going to run through him. Um, you know, he's going to be the first option. They're going to always play, you know, the run first and then let the pass game – be opened up by the running game. So I think he's definitely going to be a finalist when it's all said and done. So he's my number four pick. I'll go ahead and do my number three pick. And this is where not the player will surprise anybody, but I think the positioning of him will surprise everybody. So I am an Alabama guy, but believe it or not, I actually have Bryce Young as my number three candidate. Um, And so on Instagram, I actually didn't vote for Bryce to win it next year only because, I mean, look, obviously I'd love to see it happen. You know, I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see him win back-to-back Heismans. But I don't think it's going to happen just whether you want to call it Bama fatigue or, you know, whatever. I think um, the running back, the transfer from Georgia Tech, Jameer Gibbs, I think he's going to get a lot of hype and be – I think he's going to be very, very good. Um, Just, you know, other weapons that they have on that offense – Obviously, it'll all run through Bryce, but I think it'll be mostly two factors, Bama fatigue, but also Jameer Gibbs getting a lot of hype and a a lot of attention that's going to kind of prevent him from winning it again. So, to me, I have him as number three. Yeah, that's a great pick. And, you know, me and Steven, pretty much when we do these lists, we tell y'all every single week, we do not discuss our list with each other. I'm on vacation right now, so we definitely haven't talked about this. 
But I also have Bryce Young at number three. And, you know, a lot of people are like, man, that, you know, that is surprising. But it's not. It's really hard to win Heisman's in back-to-back years. So, and saying that, I think Bryce could potentially have better numbers this upcoming year. And I think Alabama could win the national championship this upcoming year. But I just don't see the voters voting for Bryce Young again. You know, he's not going to have as good as weapons probably this year at the wide receiver position. But I still think his numbers are going to be pretty comparable. I just think there's other guys ahead of him that the voters like more and that ESPN or these other places are going to be pushing these guys, you know, pushing their name out there. They're going to have big-time games. So, you know, that's why I got Bryson number three. And I'll just go ahead and do my number two. And I think me and you had the same two guys at the top two. But, you know, for me, my number two is C.J. Stroud, the quarterback from Ohio State. And this guy is phenomenal. Let me just go ahead and say that. When I see him, I think he could be the number one pick in the NFL draft next year. I think he's really talented. Ohio State always has really good quarterbacks. He's probably throwing to the best receiver in the country next year, and that Jackson Smith. So saying that, his numbers are going to be crazy. They're going to have a really talented team. They're going to get a lot of big-time games. So, And they were kind of hyping him last year, kind of. He was like rivaling Bryce Young for the Heisman last year. And I think, you know, he will be up there this year and definitely in big-time consideration to win that award. Yeah, that's definitely a great pick. Uh, like you said, I, we think a lot alike. Uh, mine is a little bit different. So, number two, I actually have Caleb Williams. The transfer was at Oklahoma last year with Lincoln Riley. When Lincoln Riley went to USC, he left Oklahoma and is now the quarterback um, for USC. Um, was a, you know, he kind of. He came on the scene, obviously stole the job from Spencer Rattler, um, had a great, great freshman year, kind of struggled. I want to say there was like, you know, there's a few games against very weak opponents that he kind of struggled. Um, you know, Kansas, I believe, was one of them, and some other teams that he, you know, kind of not burnt out at the end of the year, but wasn't, didn't uh, put up the numbers he was when he – first was took over the job but I still think you know he goes to USC Lincoln Riley's a great offensive mind I just think maybe I mean I, I still have him as number two so it's not like it's going to be a down year but I just think maybe with transfer and then yes a lot of people went with Lincoln Riley to USC but also a lot of people left so I just think in the first year uh, I don't have Caleb Williams winning it but it's not going to surprise me at all if he does win it. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I guess I'll go ahead and roll into my number one. You had him as number two. I have C.J. Stroud as my number one guy. Like you said, he was up there last year with Bryce Young. Um, they were both going back and forth. I think what won it for Bryce for sure was the SEC championship against Georgia is what won it for Bryce. But, I mean, C.J. is a great quarterback. Like you said, he probably has the best receiver in the nation. Um I see him putting up big numbers again, and I think this year he 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 takes finally takes the award home. Yeah, that's that's a great pick, and you know everything you said about Caleb Williams is true. But for me, he's to me he's number one, and he is who I think is going to win the Heisman. And here's why: for me, kind of like it was for Quinn years, for me it's all about Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley had Baker Mayfield. He won the Heisman. The next year at Kyle Murray, he won the Heisman. 
the next year. Did Kyle Murray win the Heisman? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kyle Murray won the Heisman. Yeah, he did. And then the, the next year he has Jalen Hurts, who struggled to throw the ball at Alabama, goes to Lincoln Riley's system, slinging the ball over the yard and running the ball really well. He's a Heisman finalist. So, and I think Caleb Williams, he ha- he is transferring, but since he's he's kind of transferring, but staying with Lincoln Riley, staying with that system, he's going to be ahead of schedule more than most transfers are. And I think, you know, I saw really good flashes from him at Oklahoma. I think this team at USC is going to be really talented. I think the media is going to be pushing, you know, the USC bandwagon pretty much because they want another team on the West Coast to be get a lot of recognition yeah. and when having Lincoln Riley there is just going to set him over the top and Lincoln Riley trust me he loves to score points he loves to throw the ball and they will rub it in a lot of people's faces so I definitely could see Caleb Williams uh, winning the Heisman this year absolutely and I mean I like I said I mean I wouldn't be surprised at all so I mean y'all email us y'all's list or comment on Instagram messages on Instagram we love to hear y'all's list so who are let's go just really quick before we close it out, who are some sleepers you have um, that didn't make the final cut and kind of talk about them for just a, a second? Well, for me, two guys, well, more than two, but just two really stood out to me. You already hit on one, Tyler Van Dyke. He put up incredible numbers. He's really highly rated. If you look at a lot of mock drafts for next season, he's top 10. And then the second guy, and probably the best player in the country, but Let's be honest, the Heisman is pretty much a uh, it's an offensive player award. But to me, it's Will Anderson, uh, Jr. from Alabama. And it's not, it's not even close. He, he's probably the best player in the country. I think he'll put up crazy numbers. He may even get invited to go to New York this year. Yeah. So, definitely him. And then my last guy, Anthony Richardson from Florida. The reason I don't think he could, he's going to win it is because I don't think they're going to have a pretty good team. But I think he could put up insane numbers, kind of like a Cam Newton-esque kind of player. Put up really good rushing numbers, and he could throw. And I think he's a really good player. Yeah, yeah. Those are those. I mean, a few of those are my. So I mean, my sleepers, like you said, best player in the country, I believe, Will Anderson. Uh, he got snubbed last year, not making it as a finalist, not making it to New to New York. Uh, I have I, Quinn Ewers. You know, you talk. You have him as I think number four, maybe number five, maybe four. Four. Okay, so I think he's a sleeper. I just think the attention Bijan Robinson's going to get, um, and then but he's he has a lot of weapons. He has I think Worthy is one of the really good receiver you were talking about. Um, Billingsley from Alabama, if he can get it together, you know, transfer from Alabama, and then um, I can't even think of the kid's name. What's the receiver that transferred from Alabama to Texas? Uh, Hall wasn't it Hall something Hall? Oh yeah, yeah, I J Hall. Yeah, Jai Hall, very talented yeah. guy at Alabama, goes to Texas. Um, so he definitely has weapons. I could see him, but he could be a sleeper. Will Levis from from Kentucky, you know, I don't think he's going to be as great in the NFL as a lot of people think. But as a college quarterback, I think he can do, you know, it'd be a Heisman finalist. And then a very, very, very dark horse quarterback for me, Spencer Rattler. Uh I think, you know, he, he, I mean, he's a very good quarterback at Oklahoma. Just things just kind of fell apart for him. I think he lost confidence. Um, but I think maybe a new uh, college and a new location will maybe kind of shake some things loose and he'll have a very good season. But that kind of wraps it up for us. Heath, thanks for hopping on for a little bit. Enjoy your vacation. Don't get too much sun. We don't want you coming back 
looking like a lobster. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to email us, Tillman's Corner Sports Talk at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, let us know what you think of the show. We'll see you next week.